Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, June 4th, 2009. The limitless nature of our eternal multidimensional self is a gift of recognition to the possibilities available to all humans in each and every moment, including peace, joy, love, truth, and unconditional love. Manifest and envision only the highest version of who you are and await the bliss. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Barbara Han Clow, the author of 10 books and is an international speaker, spiritual teacher, and ceremonial leader, trained in the Cherokee and Mayan traditions. She was the acquisitions editor for Bear & Company from 1983 through 1999, where she published some of the new paradigm Mayan calendar researchers covered in the Mayan Code, Time Acceleration and Awakening, the World Mind. Barbara and her partner, Jerry Clow, lead Pleiadian Agenda Activations, which are a journey through nine dimensions based on the books by Barbara and Jerry, including the Pleiadian Agenda, a new cosmology for the light, age of light, and Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, decoding the vertical axes, crop circles, and the Mayan calendar. Barbara is a leader in the realms of multidimensional consciousness and transformative healing, both individually and collectively. Welcome, Barbara. It's an honor to have you appear on Evolution or Revolution again this early summer. Thank you, Nelson. Happy to be here. Great. So how are history, spirituality, religions, philosophies, human nature, energetic potential, and love, just kind of the overall intertwined within our multidimensional universe, constantly shifting, and how is that impacting us at this time? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I go right, I think the image that works the best for me as an integrative image for, for all of those um, issues is the world tree. And the world tree is an archetype that that actually exists in all all spiritual traditions, Celtic, Vedic, Native American and the world tree is an essential um, uh, archetype of, of the Mayan calendar itself. And um, in, in my world, um, I'm working with the idea of the Mayan calendar um, being a calendar that gives us the timetable of our, of our evolution um, from the very beginning um, in, in terms of just cosmology and then up to the current moment as complex humans. And so what I believe, Dulcinea, is that the world tree is like a living consciousness organism you could almost say and that all of the factors that you just mentioned actually interweave through the um, expression of the world tree in relationship to our planet and as you know that's a very broad question so I kind of have to bring it right down to an archetype that functions pretty well for me very powerful so how is that symbolism and how is the world tree how do they 
indicate to us that we are coming to a, a shift, a great shift. Yeah, well, what, what I'm working with is Carl Kalamann's research and his, his particular timing. There are many of us who are working on the Mayan calendar from different perspectives. And as far as, as Kalamann's research is concerned, um, the world tree is like the driving mechanism behind the um, evolutionary factor in the calendar itself. And then we get into a lot of complexities like, like cycles and numbers and, and the issue of time acceleration, the fact that we're um, you know, actually accelerating in time. We were once going very slowly, but now we're going very fast. And that's just a lot of details. But, but the reason that the world tree image works for me as a central archetype is because I can use it in my own body. Um, like I can think of the center part of my body as like the trunk, and then I can think of the upper part of my body and my higher consciousness and crown chakra as like the branches and upper reaches of the tree. And then I can think of the lower part of the tree as the roots going deep into the earth and reaching into the minerals and into the water and into the rock in order to grow. And, and so the reason I think this archetype has worked so powerfully for people um, for thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of years is because it actually fits with the way we experience our physical bodies. Which is definitely our greatest limitation in the third dimension. <laughs> yeah, our greatest struggle, that's true. That's true. Uh-huh. And yet when we work with the sense of our bodies as more like the tree and more like the world tree, then we have the sense of our bodies, the trunk of ourselves, like being in this dimension, the third dimension. But then that sense of the lower dimensions, the first and second dimension below the, the trunk of the tree, and then the higher dimensions fanning out into the upper part of the tree. And, and so the central archetype here would be that this is a model for how our consciousness functions. And then the fascinating thing to me regarding Carl Kalamann's research is that he actually thinks that there is a central world tree in, in the structure of our planet itself um, that actually sets up physical um, motion and physical form that's driving time and driving evolution. It's an utterly fascinating idea. Very intricate and very complex, but yet so profound for us to understand and grasp our individual relevance in the in the on the journey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and when we're dealing with really complex things, I think sometimes unless we have like a central image or a, cent- a central archetype that we can hold on to, we we tend to get lost in attempting to understand what's going on. And it's just extremely complicated right now because what Kalaman has discovered is that the calendar. Is, is, is expressing the issue of different cycles of time, which are each one of them is accelerating faster and faster. So, for example, um, right now we're in the middle of the galactic underworld, which started in 1999 and goes through October 2011. And the galactic underworld means that in 1999 we started going 20 times faster in our evolution than we have been since 1755, which is the underworld before that. And so we're in the middle of an extremely rapid level of of, um, acceleration at this time, which is spinning all of us out of control practically. And yet at the same time, the other thing that it's doing is it's causing us to go back in time and back into previous parts of our experience and bring forth new opportunities. Um, one, one example I'd like to give of that is that um, one of the um, issues that came up today, um, this is June 4th, 
was Obama's speech in um, Egypt, in Cairo. And the fascinating thing about Obama giving that speech on this particular day is that this actually goes back into the, pre the two previous underworlds, and it's stimulating um, potential from the, the previous underworlds, the, the one before the uh, one from 1755 is 5,125 years long, which is our cycle of history. And so if we go back into the previous underworld related to today, we get into around 1050 AD, and this was the time of the Muslim Islamic um, cultural explosion um, that affected Europe and actually brought Europe out of the Dark Ages and brought culture back to um, Western Europe. And so then we have this president coming forth and giving this amazing speech, regardless of what people think ab about what he actually said, his ability to bring together um, many factions and many points of view so that more discussion and more change could occur was really quite remarkable. And then if we go back to the underworld just before the galactic underworld, the one that started in 1999, we go back to about 1961, just when the United States was very inspired by Jack Kennedy. So one of the things we're seeing with as we come to the end of the Mayan calendar is we're seeing that these these opportunities, evolutionary potentials that came forth before are now being brought up again so that they can be um, worked with in a new way. So everything is evolving. It's not it's not weird. it really demonstrates the unification, the unity from Obama's speech to the larger conglomerate changing and, and just really the overall evolution of our entire creation. Yeah, and you know, Deltonate, I like like the way you said that, that you just really get that one, that everything's evolving because everything's evolving because one of the struggles that's going on within the Mayan calendar uh, movement, this is a very big movement at this point, and there's a great deal of controversy within the movement itself. And one group of people tends to be very uh, cyclical, where kind of everything goes around circles, endlessly going around circles. And then the other element um, in the movement is very spiralic and very evolutionary, and definitely focusing on the possibility and probability, really, that we are really at a critical leap, mo leap moment now. And this just is fascinating to me because my longest profession, even before being a publisher, is I've been an astrologer for about 35 or 40 years. And, of course, I keep track of the transits on my website, and I write, I write a lot on my website about, about the, you know, the new moons and the seasons, equinoxes, and solstices. And the transits right now are just, like, so incredibly inspiring and yet at the same time, like totally unnerving. Like, like what we're in the middle of right now is we're in the middle of Chiron. Um, Chiron. Chiron is conjuncting Neptune, and then Jupiter is conjuncting Chiron and Neptune. And Neptune is the planet that rules spirituality. And the way I like to think of Neptune is I like to think of, of the um, issue of be, being able to be boundaryless. And in other words, the part of us which is able to melt into spirituality and to surrender and to let down the barriers. And then Chiron is the planet that rules going into the deepest part of our personal wounding in order to heal ourselves. And so we've got these two planets. They're actually going to be, um, they're going to be conjunct three times next year, and they're actually close together in the sky for like five or six years. And so we have the planet 
that rules going into the deep, deepest level of wounding, working with the planet that dissolves our boundaries and takes us into spirit. And then during the last three or four weeks, late May and early June, Jupiter is conjunct Chiron and Neptune. And Jupiter rules the um, ability to expand ourselves. And so you've just got this incredible energy right now. I mean, it's like, and, and I'm watch, just watching people, and people are reporting back to me, and people just are are transmuting. They, they're almost like watching themselves transmute. It, and I, w- I watch people, and, and people seem to be having difficulty making sure they're really there, you know, and yet at the same time, they're getting in touch with stuff that's just miraculous to them, but they just don't kind of don't comprehend what's going on. And so there's a tremendous loosening of the rigidity of the physical plane right now because these transits, this particular one I just described, which is a monumental transit, by the way, um, the last time this transit occurred was when the Americans bombed Hiroshima and, um, and uh, was it Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1944. Wow. Yeah, so- and so this is just this is like a nucleating power, it, and, and it isn't just if I, I wouldn't bring this up if it was just now. This is all the way through 2010, and 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 then after that, it's still pretty strong for a couple more years. <laughs> this leads me to a really great point in your book, Catastrophobia: The Truth Behind Earth Changes in the Coming Age of Light. Wow, you touch upon all this. <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's one of my favorite books, and the funny thing about that book is. That book has been selling more every year. In, in other words, it's a book that came out in 2001, and yet every year it sells a little bit more. And, and yes. it's just it just catching on in a very it, – it just has never sold a lot. But it just continues to just have an upward tick because what catastrophobia is after is the possibility that we are a multi-traumatized species. Um, there, in this case, I was working with the general issue of um, wounding. And the the thesis of catastrophobia is that there was a major cataclysm um, around 9500 B.C., which is is a scientific fact. Um, The degree of the cataclysm, there's some discussion about that, but the actuality of this is pure science. And so what happened was our solar system itself, not just the planet Earth, suffered a very, very um, large cataclysm, which was caused by fragments coming into our solar system from the Vela supernova. And so what happened is we went through a tremendous cataclysm. And there's a lot. Can you hear a lot of noise in, in the phone? There's a, there's some static, but it's yeah, not I think, too. No, I think what it is. I'm just going to look out there. It sounds like somebody's trying to drill the back of the building. If it gets any worse, I'll go address it. <laughs> it's like synchronicity here. But um, but but my my belief in catastrophobia is that we are at the current moment waking up from being a multi-traumatized species um, from the cataclysm itself and then from the period of survivalism after the cataclysm, which would have been from about 9500 B.C. up until about four or 5000 B.C. And I think that, that we all have like a, a subliminal, um, possibly past life, maybe cellular, maybe racial memory, but we all carry this, this inner wounding and this inner fear, and this is what we're waking up from now. And that just to me relates so much to what you had just said that we're going to be encountering through 2010, the, experiencing the spiritual limitlessness and the deep wounding. The catastrophobia really addresses the deep wounding. 
Yeah, and so you picked up on that. You know, I, I, you know, when you when you try to explain, well, first of all, explaining Neptune is the hardest thing of all, because it's the most nebulous um, uh, type of energy that we deal with. But I think it's very astute of you. You 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 connected that up immediately. And and what I'm really saying, the reason I'm kind of harping on this one right now, I may write a few articles about it, because it's this particular transit of Chiron conjunct Neptune in late Aquarius, by the way, uh, and then Jupiter. Um, may be the trigger transit that is pushing the unresolved wounding um, out to the surface. And so what I notice with people is people seem to be feeling panicky and yet visionary. They seem to feel intensely um, you know, emotional, and yet also they seem to be soaring out of their bodies. And it's such a weird combination that a lot of people just, just don't know how to handle it. But it seems to be exactly the combination that we need in order to step over this threshold. Because we can't do another Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nagasaki. I mean, this is over with, you know. So then how do we pull in our multidimensionality as individuals, knowing that we're multidimensional beings, and how do we pull that in and really maximize this time of soaring like an eagle and just purifying? Yeah. Um, I look at it from two points of view. First of all, I'm a real believer in study and information and questing. And fortunately, almost everybody's doing that. Like what's happening right now regarding um, books that are being published and movies and media and all that is we have esoteric information and secret information available to us if we want to bother to pursue it that people have not been able to get for thousands of years. So I think it's a combination of opening up our mindset by studying and questing and finding out more about the type of potential reality we live in, combined with a very, very deep intention to allow our emotions to run. Now, what I mean by that specifically is let's just assume that my idea that we are a multi-traumatized species and that we have inner unprocessed psychological content. Let's just say that's true. Well, then what will happen is that issue will play out in our everyday life. It will play out in our marriages and in our partnerships and in our, with our children, parents, or whatever. And the tendency, um, especially during the last 10 or 15 years, I've noticed that the degree of addict addictions has really been rising. Now, some people have been kicking it, but the percentage of people who are doing what I call stuffing it um, is very, very high. And what happens is when those inner emotions start coming up and when people start feeling that fluttering in the chest and that intense emotional quality in, in the middle part of their body, then what they do is they head for a cigarette or a drink or, or a, a drug of some sort. And what I think is happening with this particular transit is I think that the emotional processing is now so intense that people can't do it anymore. Um, I think people are starting to realize that they've got to quit taking the edge off of things and they've got to let it come up and they need to look at it and see it for what it is. So, so for me, Delphine, it's a combination of really turning that brain on because we're at an evolutionary leap point now. And how much we use that brain as a muscle actually matters a lot. And then combined with that, this, this deep emotional processing, and then, of course, spiritual practice. I don't want to leave spiritual practice out of it um, be, because 
of some form of spiritual practice, um, meditation, yoga, um, tai chi, whatever people are doing, is a critical part of this because I find that I can't handle the energy of this particular transit without doing regular yoga. And, you know, in the past I could kind of slack off once in a while. Not now, you know. I, I agree. My experience is very parallel. I'm I'm very validated by what you've presented here in that I definitely am in personally in, in a process where my spiritual limitlessness it feels just I'm thriving, I'm in the bliss. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also experiencing at a very deep level um releasing the trauma and the wounds and I think you actually do um, a great job in uh, another the trilogy of the Mind Chronicles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You discuss clearing the layers of evolution from the last, you know, 100,000 years. Yeah, yeah, and that's funny because I, I worked on the Mind Chronicles. I did 100 sessions under hypnosis into my own past lives, but it isn't really me at all. It's like the archetypal realm. And when I, I did that back in the 80s and, and early 90s, and at that time I didn't know anything about Carl Kalamon and evolution and all of the things that I'm into now. But what happened in the Mind Chronicles is I time-traveled through 100,000 years of human consciousness. And as it turns out, now we know in anthropology that um, 100,000 years is the period of time during which we have essentially become human. This is a period of Neanderthal um, life and then going into Cro-Magnon and then finally into um, modern Homo sapiens. And so the Mind Chronicles um, travels through 100,000 years of human consciousness, and what it does, it's a trigger book. Um, A lot of people, when they read it, they trance out because it's, it's, it's constructed to trigger your own memories about these period, periods because we're all connected in that way. We actually all have a very deep connection to each other through these long periods of experience in our lives. Do you do any um, sort of workshop or any, um, do you offer any services other than the, the trilogy of working with people clearing that consciousness? Um, I don't do that only because, you know, I have so much I'm doing. You know, what I mainly, yeah, as a teacher, as a teacher, um, Jerry and I teach Pleiadian agenda activations. And what those are working with is those are working with creating nine dimensions of consciousness um, in the workshop for varying periods of time. And what we're really doing, Dulcineda, my, my husband Jerry is, is a body worker. He's a cranial sacral therapist and a polarity therapist. And so he's in charge of body in the workshop, and then I'm in charge of mind. And what, what I do is by working with various teaching techniques, I open up the full range of potential human consciousness, which is, mm-hmm. in this case is nine dimensions. And then what happens is that starts pushing everybody's edges. So what we have in our workshops, we have one healer working for every 10 students all the way through the workshop because what happens for people is their edges start getting pushed and then they need the healers um, to balance them and, and keep them. Our, our goal is never to have anybody freak out or have any kind of um, spiritual emergency. We work really hard to keep people um, really in the present moment. So we're, So our part in this is actually to activate in that level. And then I think there's 300,000 certified um, hypnotherapists in the United States alone. In other words, if, if somebody wants to do their past lives or if somebody wants to do that type of therapy, it's definitely readily available. 
Certainly. You know, I and the reason I ask is on my journey after I had encountered the Pleiadians, as we had discussed last time, mm-hmm. I was then sent to a healer who was in downtown San Rafael, uh, at, you know, the outskirts of San Francisco. And what he would do is he would give me um, statements. He would just say statements that he felt intuitively led to. And he would activate me releasing the consciousness that I held. And what he found with me is because I was clairvoyant, I wouldn't like I would see the pictures of what I was releasing. Mm-hmm. So whatever, yeah. it was so empowering. And he told me, you have a gift. I've not worked with anybody. And I found out my gift was simply clairvoyance. <laughs> you know, a very, uh, we're all clairvoyant. <laughs> oh, I don't but know. I, I, think, I think people are clairvoyant in varying degrees. And I don't think a lot of people see, I see little movies of things. Um, but I think that's because I did 100 past life regressions. See, in other words, I think you and I, I think we both have done a lot of personal work. And these, these things we're talking about, they're actually all skills. And so I, think, I, think, I don't think everybody can become clairvoyant, but I think a lot of people can become better at it if they want to work at it. Sure, like, work, like building, um, lifting weights or building your muscles. Yeah, just really it, is about practice. And, it, boy, it makes life easier. I mean, in the sense that I can usually see what's going to be happening before it actually happens, which oh, is yes. extremely useful. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely useful. Often so I can help, you, know, you know, sometimes I can help somebody really easily because I can see something before it actually happens and I know what to do. That is so empowering. Well, what a gift for a teacher. And for, um, you know, you as a pioneer leading humanity through this, this critical evolutionary shift, I think that is a very empowering gift for you, for you to be able to offer to others. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we do. But I think, I think, you know, for my my longest practice, as I told you, has been as an astrologer, and unfortunately, I had to give that up. I couldn't do one on one work anymore because of all the books and research and teaching and blah blah blah. You know, uh-huh, all the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. But what I did as an astrologer is I would see someone only once. And I would work with them to help them figure out which would work for them. Would Jungian psychotherapy work? Would past life regression work? Um, would breath therapy work? Whatever it was. And I would, I would work with them to help them figure out what the next step was. And, and it was interesting because, because what I discovered um, when I did readings was about one out of three people could really benefit from past life regression. In fact, I almost felt like they weren't really going to get very far if they didn't do it. The other two-thirds didn't need it at all. And you could actually see that astrologically. Wow, you know, wow. So, so there's, a right way, there's a right way for each person. And really the only way you're ever going to get there is just, it's just to try things out until something fits for you. Yes, and, and I think the universe has such a divine way of synchronizing um, what we need and, and bringing it forth if we, in fact, invoke that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. So, speaking of astrology, how has time acceleration influenced astrology um, where we are right now in summer of 2009? I know we had spoke last year about October 30th, mm-hmm. so it was um, a big, there was a big prediction of the economic financial crash that did occur, and then you had some more predictions coming up for this year, so where are we? So what do we want to look at? Do we want to look at astrology in relationship to the Mayan calendar, or do we want to look at it in terms of what's going on? Um, why don't we start with the basis of the Mayan calendar, and then we'll look at what's going on with us as humans in our 
in yeah, our mental I, I world. That's a good idea. I had to think that through for a minute. I think it's a good idea. The reason I think that's a good approach, and of course I'm using Kalamon's um, time acceleration method, which which gives specific dates for periods of time where certain potentials exist. And the reason I think it's good to start there is if we identify where we are in terms of our potential in relationship to the calendar, then we can turn around and make use of astrology to fulfill that potential. And so right now we're in the middle of, an, I, I think, maybe one of the most fascinating periods of time that, that I have ever experienced in hundreds of thousands of years and probably ever, ever will again. And it's called Day 6 of the Galactic Underworld. And <clears throat> it started um, November 12, 2008, and it goes through November 7, 2009. So it's basically, um, it's basically 2009. And day six is the point when, when the um, issue of a particular underworld flowers. In other words, this is the point when the real um, potential of the whole underworld cycle actually appears. And so um, regarding this particular underworld, um, day six, we, we just got past the midpoint of it. And this partic- it's been, it's been um, very difficult to figure out what this underworld would be about um, un- until we kind of had enough experience with it. And so at this point, Kalaman has written some wonderful material about how day six has to do with becoming an egal- egalitarian um, species. It has to do with moving away from being stuck in personal agenda and personal ego and actually waking up into an egalitarian mindset. And I've actually been, I've actually been finding that to be true. Um, at first it was hard to see at the beginning of this period, but now I'm actually seeing that kind of thing come forward. So assuming that that's the potential of, of this moment in time, then we look to, I'd look to the astrology to, to figure out, like, um, how could that work itself out and how could we be more conscious about how to use that potential? And one of the first places I always go is to Saturn because Saturn is the planet that structures realities and Saturn is the planet that um, causes patterns to occur. And so Saturn was um, retrograde, which means it was in a, a kind of introspective mode until May 16, 2009. So this is like three weeks ago. And Saturn went direct on May 16. And at this point, there is a very, very intensely building um, uh, force coming, coming through the culture. All of a sudden, something is actually happening with General Motors. Um, all of a sudden, things are being defined and things are starting to actually happen for us in a way that we can. It, we're, we're reaching the point, you know, where we can kind of identify things more. We kind of have a sense of the program a little bit more. And so that that kind of tendency is going to be going on through the summer. The summer. But when we get into the fall, we're going to be going into um, a very, very intense, um, transformative uh, period of time. Um, what happens in the fall is we have Saturn opposing Uranus. Um, on September 15th, and the first Saturn opposite Uranus was um, November 4th, 2008, when Obama was elected. And then the second Saturn opposite Uranus was in February. And so what I expect to be happening in September is I expect 
the the real issues of of um, what's going on with the economy, what's going on with the country, to be very very intense and very very clear. And to tell you the truth, I think the economy is going to start to really unravel at that point. In other words, what I'm saying is I think things are going to hold together to some extent this summer, even though the employment uh, figures are going to rise and uh, people are going to be going through um, more foreclosures and all that. I think it's not going to really get really bad until the fall. And maybe that's useful information for some people um, because it looks to me like we've got a couple of more months here to really get our house in order a little bit before things get to be extremely stressful in the fall. And I hate to say that, but as an astrologer, it's a really clear picture. So with that in mind, how long should we expect in fall? Is there a time frame on really allowing the chaos to come into clear? To, to well, here's the, here's the hard part. If we if we go back to the Mayan calendar, um, the galactic underworld, which is the period from 1999 through 2011, is basically disassembling and unraveling and transmuting the two previous underworlds. So let's get into what they are. The underworld before the galactic underworld is called the planetary underworld, and the planetary underworld is 1755 through 2011 AD. And the planetary underworld is the development of industry. So the whole structure of the industrial economy was slated to be created from like 1755 through 2011. Um, the midpoint of the planetary underworld is 1883 which is right at that real peak of the real development of industry um, in the United States and Europe and on the planet. So that's one previous cycle. Then the cycle before that one is 3,116 3, B.C. through 2011 A.D. That's the historical cycle. And that cycle represents the development of temple city cultures and kings and priests and so if you go back to 3116 BC, you find Sumer, Egypt, China, you find all of these historical cultures coming forth. And so the time acceleration um, theory is saying that from 1999 through 2011 AD, we're processing and unraveling those two previous cycles. And so this is the reason why the industrial economy is breaking down. And this is the reason why hierarchical power and control systems, patriarchal if you want to call it that, systems, are breaking down. So, so what it's saying, Dulcinea, is we're in the middle of a period from 1999 through 2011 where these systems are unraveling and transmuting because they need to get out of the way of the next step of evolution. In other words, as we move toward an egalitarian society where we share and where we come back to being um, in oneness with nature, we cannot continue with this industrial hierarchical um, system. We just can't do it. That really just resonates. It resonates with me as an, as an individual, and it resonates with what I see around me. And it, I think it makes sense if we look at from 1999 to 2011, the, the current uh, cycle, the galactic underworld, that's only 11 years. Yeah, actually 12.8 years. But yeah. Okay, well, tw okay, like when I'm looking, okay, 12.8 years to unravel how many years of yeah. of our evolution? Yeah, and and, and yeah, and and 
it, one thing that I think helps, one of the reasons I like this particular um, theory so much is because it resonates so much. So the, 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 the period of time before the historical cycle is the regional underworld, which is like a time like Eden, and that cycle, as we already mentioned earlier, is 100,000 years long. So if you go back into the regional underworld, now notice all of them end in 2011. In other words, the regional underworld is still completing itself, and the um, historical underworld and the planetary underworld, in other words, they're all coming to this end point together, which is a really fascinating idea. But if you go into your consciousness and you put your, yourself into the mindset of the regional, and you go into Eden, you go into hunter-gatherer lifestyle and go into the Paleolithic times and, and being like almost an animal in a sense in terms of relating to nature, and then all of a sudden if you go come up to the point of the time acceleration, the historical time acceleration, if you go back to 3116 B.C., all of a sudden control, power, cut stone, make streets, make sewers, make buildings. You can feel that in your body. And then if you come forward to the next time acceleration, 1755 A.D., you can feel people being pulled out of the villages and put into the factories and put into industry. And you can feel that, that, that loss of the, vil of the village life and that, that loss of that communal way of life. And then we come up to 1999 A.D. and the next time acceleration, which means what this is saying is we went 20 times faster in 1999 in our evolution than we were back in 1755 A.D. And yet if you go back to 1999, do you remember how everything sped up? And, and oh, I yes. couldn't figure out what it was. See, back then I didn't know about any of this stuff until 2004. And I couldn't figure out what was going on in 1999. I was crazy. And, and of course, it showed up the way it, it's visible is through technology. All of a sudden, Blackberries, computers, Internet, you know, connect, 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 connect. That's what the galactic underworld is all about. And then, according to the Mayan calendar, we're going to be going 20 times faster starting in February 2011. In other words, in about two years, we're going to go 20 times faster again. Wow. That's it. That, is, that is so exciting because the possibilities for us to evolve into, into the truth of who we are are very apparent. Yeah, and I, I, as far as I can tell, now I'm the one who works with, with catastrophobia and with the issue of being a multi-traumatized species. And as far as I can see, the, the healing that people are experiencing um, is right on schedule. Um, for example, as I mentioned earlier, Chiron conjuncts Neptune exactly three times during 2010. So during that last year there, before the next time acceleration, we're going to have the final, um, this in, final experience of this incredible, deep, kind of systemic, um, you know, phylogenetic um, healing going on. And so we seem to be right on schedule. And yet when you stand back from it, it's miraculous, isn't it? It is. It's much bigger than we are. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the reasons I like to bring up the idea of questing and studying, which, of course, if you start getting into Kalaman or if you get into my work or whatever, you're going to have to do some, some studying and some contemplation. And yet this is a big idea that 
does enable people to have some idea of what might be going on, because otherwise it would appear that things are just chaotic. They're, they're not. I mean, tonight on the news I saw some shots of Obama walking into the Great Pyramid today in Egypt. He's right on schedule. For that feels the, right. Yeah. Well, because what has to happen, there has to be a meeting between East and West. There has to be a cessation. A unification. There has to be. You're right. And the center geodetic point of our planet is the Great Pyramid. Wow. And I really, you know, something that you had said um, when you explained the, the cycles, during the planetary underworld, um, which was Industry 1755 to 2011, that really resonates of how we, it was like our extreme pinnacle point of separation. I yeah. just see cold energy, division, DNA went wacky. Um, I just see that it was a, a really, uh, it was, again, the pinnacle peak of our separation. Yeah. So right now what we're doing is reunifying within ourselves by looking at our wounds so we can then reunify um, as a larger conglomerate. That, that's true. And then another thing that's really interesting about the planetary, because every underworld also has a very high purpose, and I like to think of the planetary as the search for comfort. Be because if we go back to 1755, when people didn't have central heating in their houses and very few people had toilets, and you know, pe we were so uncomfortable that we couldn't really get to the, we couldn't be like you and I are, are today talking. We wouldn't have had the time or the energy or the health to, to be able to, to see the things that we can see. So the positive side of the planetary underworld is that we in, we became comfortable enough in the way we live day to day to be able to take this next step in evolution. It's just that we don't need it anymore. So this leads me to something you had mentioned in AstroFlash. And I'll let the audience know you can find Barbara on the web at www.handcloud2012.com. Again, that's www.handcloud2012.com. 2012.com, and of course you can link up with Barbara through the evolutionrevolutionradio.com link as well. But you had written on AstroFlash um, about the goddess alchemy and using the powers of the four seasons. And I, I'm wondering how that manifestation process with the seasons connects with the uh, cryon conjunct Neptune, like during the, the creative spurs mm -hmm. in sync with the healing. Yeah, and the limitlessness. It's a really astute question on your part again. You're, you're really psychic because you could feel what needs to be said, if you know what I mean, which I think is really great. And Thank you. One of the, you know, it's, it's true. And one of the big fights going on in, see, I don't, I don't do stress and fights and battles. I'm a, real, I'm a real peacemaker. And some of the struggles going on in the mind calendar movement really bother me a lot. And um, basically, there's no reason for the struggles because, because the, the issue people are arguing over is whether the end date is 2011 or 2012. And Kalaman and I are saying that in order to experience what we need to experience during 2012, we need to finish our time acceleration evolutionary process during 2011, which makes sense, doesn't it? You know, in other words, how are you going to get to that high point unless you've done the hard stuff, would be, to put it simply. Then when we go into 2012, now first of all, seasonality has been a very important issue for, for as far as I'm concerned, by the way, 11,500 years. Um, I actually think that the axis tilted 
um, during the cataclysm in 9500 BC. And I actually think that seasonality is a lot more recent uh, phenomenon than most people think it is. Now, what am I talking about? Well, because our axis tilts, we have two equinoxes, spring and fall, and that's when the planet is totally balanced in its orbit around the sun. And then we have a winter solstice and a summer solstice when the, because of the planetary tilt on the you know parts of the planet, south or north or further away from the sun. And it's only because of axial tilt that we experience seasonality. But then what I discovered in my own research is that early, early um, uh, modern humans, going back to, say, 9000 BC, after the cataclysm, um, they discovered that they could work with the seasons in order to enhance their consciousness. And where did I get that information? Well, first of all, I got it by time traveling through my past lives, number one. But number two, if you study megalithic technology and if you go to the stone circles all over the planet, um, all of the megalithic technology, which is basically like 2000 to 6000 BC, something like that, it's all um, based on, on seasonality and solstices and equinoxes. And so we have, we have global evidence that seasonality was very, very important to people like four or 5,000 years ago. And then in indigenous cultures, even today, the seasons are very important. So what I developed for modern people is a way to use the power of the seasons in order to create your reality. And it's basically, it's right there on handcloud2012.com in, in more detail. But basically, it involves, first of all, realizing that New Year's is not um, January 1st, that New Year's is the spring equinox. In other words, the new year starts with the spring equinox. And then at that point, I advise people to use meditation techniques to create intentions for the year. And then what happens is from spring to summer solstice, you develop your intentions. And then during the summer, you deepen and, and, and widen the perspective of your intentions. And then at the fall equinox, you balance your intentions in relationship to everything around yourself. And then during the winter, you go into deep contemplation about what you're, what you're creating. And what this is, is this is a very simple manifestation technique. But it is so powerful that I advise people to not ever try to intend to manifest more than three things a year. Because what will happen if you start using this technique is it works. And you'll find your life is propelled <laughs> forward almost faster than you, can ha than you can handle it if you don't watch out for it. So that's just one of the real simple things that I, I teach. But, boy, it really works like a charm. And, you know, I have to say that it really resonated with me again because as I was reading it, my natural um, evolution has always been about, it's usually April 2nd mm -hmm. is since my process started back in the late, oh gosh, late or mid-90s. April 2nd is the day that I feel is like the first day of my new year every year, and I never understood. So I celebrate it. I get really excited. I get my vision boards out. So when I was reading this, I go, oh, my gosh, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, and it, 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 I don't know exactly how it works. I know that ancient people did it. But somehow our ability to imprint um, intentions, and if you want to think of God or being in, co in touch with divine consciousness, is just so intense at the spring equinox that if we just do it right at that moment, then the whole thing just works itself out all the way through the year. 
And then that just, again, that link naturally, I see a link then with cryon conjuncting Neptune or whatever the astrology may be, but it looks like that limitlessness and that deep wounding really parallel us creating our own reality. And as we merge into our spiritual gifts and our creative expressions, we become more unified, hence evolve. Yeah, that's a very interesting idea because if you think about deep wounding, if you if you um, create an intention um, it, that goes against your deepest wounding that you haven't yet processed, then what will happen is it just simply won't work because you, the wounding will get right in the way of that. Do you know what I mean? It can, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's interesting that maybe during the spring equinox, it's possible that those fields are more clear. I know, I know. For me, with the spring equinox, everything seems fresh and simple, and it seems like all of that old complication that was always in my way, you know, is just gone for a little while, and I can just kind of have a clean slate. But the point would be, use the clean slate. Very validating, very validating, and very powerful for people. So again, you can find out more information about the, the seasonal alchemy on, on the Astro Flash, which is Barbara's um, coaching on the, on web, on the web <laughs> yeah, with her and, astrology. Yeah, and where, that, where that came from, Dulcinea, is that my, I, we have a lot of students, and they all just wanted us to be in touch with them, and, you know, emails or phones or whatever, but of course we can't do it. And so I created Astro Flash back in 2001, just in desperation. I finally just said to, to my students, I just said, look, it'll be there for you. It'll be okay. And it has just turned out to be the most wonderful creative thing. It's like a personal letter uh, month by month to all of the people that I communicate with, which is really kind of fun. Yeah. That is just so, so validating. So people can just hook in there and connect with your updates without having to connect with you and uh, hinder you, in a sense, from producing mass teachings and mass productivity. And it's free. It's all free, too. Which is always a perk. Anytime we can get a free tool or free resource, we, we embrace that. <laughs> and I also want to let people know there are some other tools that are on the website that are pretty empowering. So you have a new DVD, Exponential Evolution, which you can um, get more information at on the web, also at www.wiseawakening.com. So how is that new? What Tell me about the new DVD. We didn't get to talk about that last time. Oh, great. Oh, this is good. Um, what happened was I did, uh, oh, I know what it was. I did a lecture at Wise Awakening before a Pleiadian Agenda activation at the opening of day six. So I spent 20 hours attempting to understand the, the point of day six, which is the flowering. And so I went back into Neanderthals, I went back into the ancient world, and I, I did an exploration of exponential evolution. And it was one of those miracles. Fortunately, somebody, somebody um, they, they had somebody there to make a video out of it or a DVD out of it. So it's a, it's a wonderful, deep, um, very, very intense lecture. Beautiful. Beautiful. So they can purchase that on the web directly. And you have some other, of course, there's the Journey Through the Nine Dimensions DVD and the Nine Initiations relating to the Nine Dimensions. Yeah, that's all available through Wise Awakening. And Wise Awakening is owned by my brother and sister-in-law. Yes, and Diane, we're really she's so lucky because, Yeah, we're really lucky because Jerry and I are so busy that we never got ourselves together to that extent. But they have. And so they do all kinds of other things too. But we're really grateful to Bob and Diana. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we, we definitely appreciate that. So we want to let people know to check that out and all the other tools. And also you have some upcoming workshops just I'd like to briefly mention in July on the 17th through the 19th. You'll be in Lilydale, New York. And in July, on July 24 through the 26th, she'll be in Lenox, Massachusetts for a weekend. And then in oh, you're going to Stockholm, Sweden. How fun! In September 18 through the 20th, you'll be in yeah. Stockholm, Sweden. That yeah, should be a great time experience. We in Sweden, and we had such a wonderful time the first time. We decided to go back again. Yeah. Great vibe. That's wonderful. So um, you can find out more information about the upcoming workshops under the workshop schedule. So please check out Barbara on the web www.handclow. 2012.com. So where are we going as a leader in this paradigm shift? What is your vision for the awakening of the world mind considering where we are today? Well, I actually believe that we're moving toward enlightenment. I actually believe that. I, um, I was recently reading uh, Teilhard de Chardin again on the Omega point, and the issue would be whether we as a species are going to become conscious in the cosmos and whether we're also going to be part of the cosmos itself. Right now we're very isolated from um, many parts of the universe. So I actually do believe that we're moving toward enlightenment as a species, which is an outrageous thing to say. So we'll get to embrace our, the truth of our human hearts and our unconditional love and joy and bliss and abundance and all the good stuff because we've done the footwork through the clearing. That's right. And it's right now the crisis is healing the wounding. And there's no question it's a huge crisis for, for all people individually and for the planet itself. And a gentle reminder to all, what we put into this is what we'll get out of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Great. So multidimensionality offers each of us the gentle reminder that we are eternally a spirit in a body here on a unique journey to align ourselves and all of creation with unconditional love, peace, joy, truth, and the awe and wonder of our limitless spiritual essence. Only with higher consciousness and awareness can we tap into the infinite creative and spiritual potential that each of us foster in order to co-create the oneness that we have been seeking since the beginning of time on this earthly third dimension. Seek the truth of who you are, and embrace the healing light as it shines unconditional love, bliss, and support upon you. Next week on June 11th, Stephen Asma will share his enlightened wisdom of the philosophical teachings or dharma of Buddhism with a fun, illustrative, and captivating book called Buddha for Beginners. On June 18th, we'll have Scott Bloom visiting with his new release, Waiting for Autumn. Coming up on June 25th, Matt Zoe will be appearing. And on July 9th, Dr. Stephen Farmer will make a reappearance. Coming up on July 16th, we'll be speaking with Sharon Jeffers. And on July 23rd, Mari Warja will be here with her new book, Find Your Courage. On July 30th, Michael Tamora will be reappearing. And on August 6th, we'll be speaking with Teddy Bart about his book, A Particle of God. Coming up on August 13th, Dr. Denise Badeau will be appearing, and on August 27th, Dr. David Bertelli from Namaste Publishing will be offering his latest book, The Revolutionary Trauma Release Process, Transcend Your Toughest Time. Coming up on September 3rd, Pamela Brooks will elaborate upon her insightful book, Choose Power. And on September 10th, Peggy McCall will be back with us. And on September 17th, Jeff Brown will offer his phenomenal book, Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com. 
or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration, which can be further explored under the upcoming guest section on the home page. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage and in the archives, the Radio Archives 2007 and 2008 tab, and of course the Radio Archives for 2009. And as always, all archives are available for free in the iTunes Store by searching Evolution Revolution Podcasts. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day and include amazing talent such as Laura Hansen, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Eric Pearl, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Ariel Ford, Peggy McCall, Richard Lawrence, Barbara Han Clow, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Gary Zukoff, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings and teleclasses via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please explore more on the, under the Services and Events page, which includes client testimonials and a wealth of information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio blog feature called Voices of Change. Voices of Change offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. Be sure to explore the exciting audio features that are ready for listening to include Amber Hinton, Janine Kimmel, Joylena Goodings, Marla Martinson, Thomas Nairer, Suzanne Northrop, and more. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Barbara Han Clow. Thank you so kindly for your time and expertise. It's always wonderful to share this with you and the world. <laughs> Thanks, Delcinea. Hey. Wonderful. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.